I'm Quayera Archer, and this is Cultivating with Quayera, a space for inspiring conversations and deeper understanding of ancient philosophies and practices. Today, I have the joy of welcoming Baba Oludare, a respiratory activist and believes in respirations, the freedom and time to practice intentional healing through breath, song, and movement of their ancestral lineages. Baba, brother Oludare, welcome. You are most welcome. I am so excited to sit and chat with you today. Um, we, I've known you for years through your parents and through the community and just hearing in the last like five years, I think you've performed or appeared in some film. And then it was like you're doing breathing classes and see you drumming and singing. And, and, and so you've really come back into my like, you know, spatial awareness. And I'm like, my gosh, he's just doing all these amazing things. So before we even begin, I'm going to ask you to bless us with an opening prayer song. Sure. Sure. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Um, may I have some water, please? Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'm just going to do a small libation before we do some prayer. Um, Omi Tutu, Ona Tutu, Ile Tutu, Ashe Tutu, Tutu Laroe, Ariku Babawa, Tutu Ori, Tutu etuni pako, okan tutu, tutu iwaro. I'm just asking for coolness in this space that we're holding together. Coolness in the space between us, because I feel like that's where a lot of the issues come with our communication. It's not so much what we have to say, but the miscommunication that happens in the space in between us. And they say that if you take all the space out in between all of the atoms in the world, it would be the size of a baseball. That's a lot of space for things to go wrong <laughs> between me and another. Um, so we ask for coolness um, from Laroye, from Eshu, who owns that space, who owns that communication. Ask for coolness in our heads, coolness in our Eshunipako, where all these past lives and things like that come up for us so that when those lessons do come from our ancestors, that they come cool for us to be able to listen to and learn from, that they don't destroy us or make us so heavy that we can't think or even mm-hmm. comprehend, mm-hmm. comprehend it. I ask for coolness in my heart. Mm. For my egg bay, for my spirituality, um, for my emotions, um, so that that's also cool. Mm-hmm. So that ultimately we can all be in the same space, feeling exactly how we feel, being exactly who we are, with coolness and in harmony. Ashe. 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 Yes. That's a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to sing. Yes, right? I'm like, right? Who are you so, singing to? Who are you, you know, calling up? Hmm. 
I'm singing to it like mine. I know that's right. <laughs> Every time we ask, this yeah. is what people like. I'm not gonna try to start without a leg bar. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sing to it like bar. Um, I'm gonna sing an Oriki to it like bar. Mm. Um, that reminds us. Basically, the words are talking about Elekba being the owner of stories. And so stories are so important for us because it's through the telling of stories, through the embodiment of stories in our dance, in our song, in our poetry, in our breath, mm -hmm. that we awaken ancestral resilience. And we remember who we are, no matter what anybody else says. And <clears throat> it's so important that we remember who we are because that's what keeps us surviving and thriving. So this song talks about Elegba being that owner. Elegba, laro yo, aquilo yo, aguro tentelonu. Aapagua kama cheche, arele tunche. Elegba, obamule omobata. Okolo fofo, okolo nini. Okolo toni kanelegwa ofo omorogumo yuba. Omonyala wana go mama Kenya irawo Barasuayo Omonyala wana go mama Kenya irawo O barasuayo Oludare means, the name means, God gives me the sanction to live. When I read that, it's, it makes total sense for how you're living your life. To <laughs> you, you have been given the sanction. And um, with this name, I can clearly see why you're living your true destiny. So again, thank you for blessing us. Thank you for opening the way. And thank you for deciding to spend some of your time with me tonight. So, Oladare, I want to set the stage and just share a sentence. Breathing life into our full, authentic selves with the divinities and ancestors on a pathway toward healing is what, after talking to you, reading all about you, looking at the family and the community that supports you, that that's what you represent to me. So, in welcoming you, I want to ask you, out the box, right? I've, although I've known of your parents and I've seen your manifestation, and I'll probably say this three or four times because in our tradition, right, or in community, indigenous culture, it's like you really know someone by the family that they, are, they come from, right? And a lot of times when a child is born, particularly even in the Yoruba and many indigenous traditions, it's like child is returned to the family. And so it's not only for me that you were born into this community, but you were born into a spiritual, traditional, religious, ancestral family 
that as soon as you arrived, they did divination and knew who you were. And that, and, and you embraced it, right? And so that, that to me really is powerful because a lot of people don't have that. And so as we open up the first question, I want to remind us what Professor Olupona from the Harvard professor says about African spirituality simply acknowledges that beliefs and practices touch on and inform every facet of human life. And therefore, African religion cannot be separated from everyday or mundane life. And pause, you are living that and helping expand that truth and awareness. African spirituality, as diverse as it is, has a very literal outlook on spirituality. Not typically, and this is my interjection, called religion, but spirituality. There is an expectation to feel and see the results. Not just pray about them and hope for one day, but in indigenous and African spirituality, particularly Yoruba, you want to feel it. And that's why you're here today, because we want to feel the breath in our body. We want to feel it in the movement. And we already felt it in your wonderful angelic voice. So there seems to be alignment with your work specifically and what Professor Olupona says, which is more validation. And a lot of people aren't understanding when we venture into our ancestral spiritual understanding and technologies, we don't always have the confidence to, and the courage to bring it forth in our own, with our own blueprint. Yeah. So I want to ask you, what is the, when is, when was the first time, this is a very broad question, you felt spirituality in your life? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, I could have started out with something a little lighter, but you know, I know mm. who I'm sitting with. I would actually have to say when I was three years old is my first like memory of spirit. Wow. Yeah. How so? Um, I used to have a babysitter um, when I was three, and one day I woke up. She wasn't there. And there was a woman sitting on the couch, like staring at the TV. And I remember seeing her, but I remember not recognizing her, this lady. So she, she didn't scare me, but I just remember seeing this lady and really not recognizing her and just kind of being like, you're not my babysitter. Where's my babysitter? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... I remember looking at the door, looking down the hallway, looking at the door, and deciding to go look for my babysitter. And so I lived in West Hempstead at the time. So mm. if you know anything about yeah. Long Island, it's all basically bush. It's like woods and, you know, suburban, you know, semi-suburban life, because it really is just the ghetto in the suburbs. Um, right, right. You know, I see it that way for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But uh but I just remember being three and just like taking this really long journey looking for my babysitter and never finding her. Um, I walked to the park where she used to take me, how I remember where that park was. I don't know, I just went. Um, I had to walk through literal forest and like ditches and stuff like that, looking for her, just looking for her because I was just, I don't, 
what brought me to be like, we're going to go on this journey and <laughs> look for my mm. babysitter. My fitty from there, like, bye. Yeah. But at three, I was like, I'm supposed to go look for this lady. Um, so I went through all of these different places and uh, I just never found her. And it wasn't until I got to like a big crossroad, like something like Atlantic Avenue, Brooklyn, where right. it's like multiple yes. layers of street that I just remember at that age, like that looking like the ocean to me, like just mm -hmm. literally being like, okay, I wasn't scared of the, the forest. I wasn't right. scared of the streets. I wasn't like, cause these are all like relatively like familiar yeah. spaces for me even as a young young child I was huh. like this is where I go play so you know whatever right, right but right. I got to that crossroad and I was just like I don't think I'm supposed to do this part by myself right, like, right. I don't know why I was so brave about everything else but but when I got to that part it was just like mm. and I'll never forget I uh I sat down on just a random lawn because I was just like well I got this far, I still can't find this lady, and I just broke down. I was crying, 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 crying. And um, this um, random white man comes up. He's just like, what's wrong, you know? Um, and he calls the police. And then next thing I know, I end up at the police station. And the police are asking me like, well, you know, who are you? Because, you know, I'm a three-year-old kid. Like, there's no, right, right, you know, right. they're like, I'm not even in school yet, so there's no emergency card. Like, we used to get the blue cards yes, back in yes, the day that yes. would have, like, all of your information. Um, I didn't even have one of those. So they're just kind of, like, being good police officers, and they're just like, well, who, like, do you have siblings, this and that? I brought up my brother. And so by bringing up my brother's name, they were able to get his emergency contact, which was my aunt, all the way in Brooklyn, who drove, who had to end up driving all the way out to West Hempstead to come pick up her three-year-old nephew out of nowhere okay. in the middle of the day. Um, and so she picked me up and then like, you know, that's how I got back to my family. Um, yeah. Telling this story, so halfway through, I'm like, okay, you woke up, you're, you're, <laughs> your babysitter wasn't there. And as you're telling the story, I'm like, okay, was he daydreaming that he walked out the door and was looking and had these memories of places? But you're actually saying you literally left the house mm -hmm. and walked around and what stopped you was that crossroad. Yeah. Which is very interesting, which is why you said my fairy fool in LA. Yeah. Right. So how did you feel spirit mm. in that in those moments? How like, yeah, what was that like at three? Well, for me, it's looking back that I really see how spiritual uh, that that journey was. Right. Because, first of all, there was no lady. That's one. My babysitter lived by herself. So, there was no lady. That's one. Then, two, my three-year-old self taking a journey around an entire... West Hempstead. West Hempstead. I know West Hempstead. Um, that, like, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot for a three-year-old. So I know that there was guidance there in that whole journey. Um, and just the trust, the trust that like, I can do this at three years old. It was just like, okay, my babysitter's not here, but we're gonna <laughs> go and figure this out so where, at three. Where was your babysitter? I still don't know to this day. I still don't know to this day. Yeah, she didn't even call my parents. The, re the way that my parents found out oh. that I was okay was through 
the police and my aunt. Oh my god. Yeah. The babysitter got back and just didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I guess she plopped her feet up and was just like, well. Well, oh, go turn on TV. Okay, <laughs> Olu, you're kidding. So yeah. I can see how that that spirit. Okay, yeah. okay, I get it. So mm-hmm. whew, that's heavy. Mm-hmm. My life is pretty heavy. A lot of folks. <laughs> so with that, so you can look back in retrospect and feel that you know, okay, that was the first time I ex- knew spirituality was in my life. When was the first time you understood mm-hmm. spirituality? Okay. Um, I would say maybe like six, five or six years old. Really? Yeah, five or six years old. Just a couple of years later after that was when I really got into spiritualism. How? Before yeah. you tell me how you understood it. How'd you get into it? <laughs> um, well, my mom and my family are spiritualists. And so we were conducting a ceremony, um, a ritual where we speak with our ancestors. You know, it's called a Misa, Mesa Blanca. Um, or a white table, um, you know, where we say our prayers for our ancestors and our spiritual guides and protections. And, you know, we, we did that. We did that often. Um, and those were always some of my favorite ceremonies and things like that. So much so that I wouldn't even wait for other people to have them. Like, yeah. <laughs> you would have them. Yeah, like five, like five, six, like, if they be looking for me, they'd have to go look in the echo closet, the the ancestor, the ancestor. Right, world. right, right. If they were looking for me in the house, like I'd just be in there, just like talking to the ancestors, you know, chilling. Like I was, yeah. So wait, so let's help people <laughs> understand what an egun ceremony, a white table, a misa, yeah. many different names by it. Describe what that looks like. What what's the process that goes? Yeah. Yeah, like give us a picture of okay. it. Okay. Um, Mises, How do you prepare? Yeah, like, first of all, Mises, everybody should and needs to come clean, right? Meaning, like, you know, you take spiritual baths before, like, literally clean your body, um, wear fresh clothing that's been washed or new clothing. Like, everybody should come clean. Clean. Um, because the whole purpose is to have clarity. Um, the whole purpose is to literally come clean, right? right? Like, there's no secrets in that spirituality. There's no secrets in spirituality. Let's say that again. The <laughs> whole point is to, and listen to this, to come clean. Yes. Right? So not just come physically clean, but to come clean and lay it down and, yeah. Let's and talk about it. Yes. Right. Let's talk okay. about it. And it's beautiful because it is a breath ritual because we're talking, we're praying, right. we're singing. Right. And the right. whole point is for the ancestors and the spiritual guides to come and speak and to speak truth, right? right. To speak right. light, to right. speak truth, right. to speak clarity, to speak awareness, for you right. to be aware right. of those things that maybe you might not want to speak about, but that are necessary for your evolution, right. that are necessary right. to keep you out the loony bin, that are necessary to keep you from right. killing yourself, that are necessary right. for you to handle whatever it is that you're working through, right? Whatever lessons that right. are going through your life right now, right. those ceremonies are there to literally help you to be clean and to elevate. Right. Um, and to elevate. And so it's calling on all of you, your present self, your past selves, and everybody in the room, their present selves and their past selves. And, you know, so it's really important that everybody come clean. Um, there's glasses of water. Mm-hmm. Because water really is a telephone, right? Water is older than everybody in this room. 
it's going to be here after we physically perish. It right, was here right. before we incarnated physically. The same water that was in the dinosaurs, you know what I'm saying, is the same water, water that's is. in us. So it's just like water is so intelligent. It's so intelligent and it's so intuitive and it's a closed system. So mm-hmm. that water that we pour in the glass is really our elder. And it really is what's the connecting factor between us and mm-hmm. other spirit. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, that's present. And then also the smells of flowers and cigars. There's also candles. Um, Awakening all the yes, senses. Yes, absolutely. And, okay. All the senses. All uh-huh. of the senses because that's how we communicate in this realm. That's how one of my godfathers will always tell me. It's like you use the cigars, you use the candles, you use um, all of the scents and the smells and the tastes and everything because this is how we communicate in this realm. Mm. So to be able to translate messages from spirit that we may feel or may not quite comprehend all the way those awakening those senses helps us to translate things that might not be as defined so the first time you felt and understood together spirituality was through egun ancestor ceremonies going in the ancestral shrine area speaking to egun ancestors on your own without parents, and it was normalized for you. You felt like that was okay. So was the singing and dancing and breathing coming to life at that time as well? Yes. So talk about that yes, for me. Yes, for sure. Like an average weekend for me <laughs> was taking a trip in my dad's red pathfinder Jeep um, somewhere. I remember that Jeep. I'm sorry. <laughs> You yep. just took me so far back. Okay, yep. you were like, yep. I'm yep. not that old. That's, Go ahead. that's my memory. Like that's. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Was taking the ride in that jeep and uh, going somewhere with my father driving and my mother, you know, in the passenger seat, making sure that me and my brothers and my siblings ain't killing each other in the back seat, as you know, siblings <laughs> do, you know. Right. Um, and going to Bembe, going to ceremony where we are like the sacred space where we're going to move and to dance and to sing with the Orisha, with the ancestors to heal, right? Wow. We were going to heal. We were Ooh. always going to call Orisha into the space. Orisha. Yes. Okay. Just for what are Orisha? Orisha means selected consciousness. Mm-hmm. It means selected consciousness. Ori means consciousness and Sha is to select. So when I think about Orisha, we all have Ori, we all have consciousness, mm-hmm. um, and consciousness lives in the entire body, mm-hmm. and we're going to go into that a little bit more later mm-hmm. um, with the movement, but consciousness is throughout the entire body. African spirituality doesn't separate the mind body, um, right. right? Like consciousness doesn't just live in the head. Like yeah. We have Ori, consciousness, throughout the body. There's Ori Eleda, there's Ori Inu, there's Ori Iporin in our toes. So it's this entire full body experience of consciousness. And so I like to think about it in layman's terms like, or in ghetto terms like this, like basically like, if I've been alive 25 years, that's some consciousness. Right. But Orisha, selected consciousness, is consciousness that's going to give birth to all of these other consciousness, all these other babies, all this other life, all this other experience. It's like Orisha is a consciousness that's going to give birth to other consciousness. And we are an ancestral tradition. So if my mother gave birth to me and her mother gave birth to her and her mother gave birth to her, 
Technically, my mother is the first piece of Oshun that I ever learned. Right. Right. It's the right. first Orisha that I ever yeah. came into existence with because she is my first direct umbilical connection to God, to That's source, right. to God. And the way that we see God, it's all about consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's all about consciousness because what's, what we understand in Yoruba tradition is that Olodumare, the supreme consciousness, gives emi, E-M-I, which is life force energy. Okay. And then... Yes. The breath ties into that because emi, E-M-I, is, is, is that life force energy, but the mm -hmm. Yoruba also called the breath emi. Right. E-E-M-I. Yeah. So it's yeah. through that breath, it's through giving that life force energy that we even have ori, that right. we're even able to be aware. Mm -hmm. um, so when we're talking about this breath that's passed down, mm -hmm. Orisha is really passing down that breath, is passing down this awareness. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important for African descendants to understand what Orisha really means. Um, and whether that's through Yoruba or other traditions, other cousin traditions, but no matter what, whether you're learning it through Yoruba or through the Dahomey and Orakan traditions, these are all cousin traditions. These folks were all mingling and learning with each other mm -hmm. and their their philosophy is so similar so even if you are a con and you learn about orisha it's like listen you're still gonna get a piece of what you need to have this is our ancestral right that's right the literal right. consciousness our philosophy and we embody it through our dance we embody it through our song we embody it through our breath so much so that we call it oriki that our oriki is this collection of history or her story, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the way that we pass on mm -hmm. the knowledge of Ori. That's right, the way that right. we pass on the knowledge of Orisha. Mm -hmm. And so Oriki is this embodied practice of scholarship. So whereas like dance is extracurricular in Western societies, dance is the scholarship because that's if you right. do the dance, you actually understand, not only do you understand what has gone on in history, but you embody it. So that means that you're able to feel how that history mm -hmm. relates to your body mm -hmm. and what you're going through. And it begins to awaken even yes. more once you start to embody it and yes. enact it. Your consciousness expands even more. Yes. Huh. Yes. Okay. And it also directs you. Yeah. It's like, it's like processing all of this information to get what's actually necessary for you. Mm -hmm. Because there's all of this consciousness... But what does that mean to me, right? right like right, because right. I'm me in my body, and so I need certain things. So when I embody that consciousness through the dance, through the song, it helps to vibrate for me. Like what specifically out of that I need for whatever my journey is here. So Lou, you seem totally aligned. You so you started out as a child. You went off spirit. You felt spirit guided you. Family came back, got you. Then you uh, started understanding spirit, going and speaking to the Egoons, the ancestors. Then you were in the father's truck going around, <laughs> bata drums. I remember yep. your daddy with the batas coming yes. up to Ifetayo yes. and mama singing. That's where you get that voice from. And your sister's <laughs> a singer too. Yes. And, you know, in all these ceremonies. And so we're zooming forward to teen years, right, yeah. around there. And you're coming into your so it's like you've had you have you have a blueprint. Yeah. You have everything. Yeah. So now you get into your teen years, mm -hmm. right? And you know the songs, mm. you are awakening Arisha inside of you. What was probably the 
best thing that Arisha did for you in those teen years coming through? What did Arisha help you with and maybe even save you from? Looking back. Wow. My Ferifuno Batala. Okay. Um, I give thanks to the Orisha Obatala. Ashe. That selected yeah, consciousness wow. of Obatala mm -hmm. is about Very peace good. of mind. Mm -hmm. And I always knew I wanted peace of mind. Okay. I always understood that this world was nuts. Mm -hmm. I always understood that there's so much that I won't be able to control, mm -hmm. including people including situations and happenings mm -hmm. from a very early age. Mm -hmm. I understood loss at a very early age. Um, I understood depression and I understood, mm -hmm. you know, all of these different things mm -hmm. um, and uncertainty at a very early age too. Mm. And when I was nine years old, mm -hmm. I was at a bembe mm -hmm. and Obatala was present. Mm -hmm. So the spirit of Obatala mm -hmm. came down. Yes. And... At a bembe, yes, and spoke to me um, and said to me, what do you want? And I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted. But I, underst I understood how much sacrifice it would mean you mm. know, to get this thing that I wanted. And, Ob and I looked at my mother. <laughs> and Obatala said to me, don't look at your mom. I asked you, what do you want? And so I was just like... Oh, it's so about to lie. Like you can't deny it. You know, it's like it's like Jesus came down and was just like, "What do you want?" You gonna right. be like, "Well, well, this is what I want." <laughs> okay. <laughs> and what was that? <laughs> or can we ask? Oh yeah, I said I want ultra. Okay, you and nine. You asked for initiation into mm -hmm. the priesthood at nine years old. When did you get initiated? Um, it took a few years for it to actually happen. Um, I officially had my initiation when I was 13 years old, right when I was going through my rites of passage, okay. right when I was graduating junior high school. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like I graduated junior high school, and then I started my initiation like right before high school. So, so. you had, sorry. Yeah. So you had the drum, you had, was dancing in your life at that yes. point as well? Yes. So you were doing what kind of dancing? African? Um, at that point, I was studying Saba. Oh, okay. and, um, Yeah, yeah. From was, Senegal? Yeah. Okay. I was studying Saba. I was studying Orisha movement. Okay. Um, and that was, yeah, yeah. I was, I was studying a lot of different West African movement styles because I was a part of Restoration at the time. Oh, as well? Mm -hmm. Okay. For like a short time, but it was a good, perfect little window um, right before I went to high school. So I was dancing as well, yeah. So you got initiated, you told, you told everybody you wanted initiation at nine. You got initiated at 13. You were in all the art forms. You had a dancing and singing and drumming family. So that was just second nature for you. Yeah. And your parents, your father mm -hmm. did bata mm -hmm. drums. Mm -hmm. And did you do that? Yes. Did you, from yes. the beginning? Yes, yeah. Oh, My okay. father was in Omoanya with... Um, Baba Puntilla, Orlando Puntilla Rios, um, from Cuba. Yes. And so from the age of like five or six, seven, I would go with my father and basically drum with Baba Puntilla and drum with my really? father. Yeah, yeah. Or like, and sometimes I would just like, just like be learning the rhythms like on my legs. Um, 
and just like taking it all in. The singing of Baba Puntilla and Baba Emilio and all of the drummers, um, you know, just like really taking all of that in. So yeah, it's, it's, it, it really is ceremonial for me. Like the arts for me is, has always been about healing. Right. It's right. always been about wellness. It's always right. been about breathing. It's always been about making sure that like after we sing these songs, that like the God in you is literally going to show up. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, I did I did remember just a minute ago asking you about how Arisha had impacted your life, and you were mentioning how you had experienced. You knew what hard times were like, and you knew depression, and you knew loss. What? was the hardest time for you in those or during those teen years mm, and why? Mm, mm. Um, hmm. Which will move us into the healing that you are sharing with the world. I would actually say that the hardest times for me in my life was like preteen, actually. Like oh, really? Yeah, like junior high. Like those were like after nine. Yeah. So between yeah. saying to the world, "Look, mm -hmm. I know what I need. I need ocha." Mm -hmm. And before you got to teens, before yeah. you got ocha, mm -hmm. right in there. That's very specific. Yeah, yeah. That was like really like a big crunch for me. Um, huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and I mean, I feel like sometimes before you get to those moments where those where you do get to those new platforms in your life, yeah. that's when, you know, those it's, hard things really do show up because it's like, are you gonna make it through or not? Right. You know, that kind of thing. And so for me, maybe it sounds young, right, to ask at nine, but little did everybody know that those years between nine and getting to high school were wow. actually some of the hardest times to get through in my life. I was bullied a lot. As a kid in junior high school, oh, really? I was overweight. Really? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was overweight at the time. Wow. Um, but I was also very talented and, you yes. know, things like that. Um, so there was a lot of, like, jealousy, envy. Mm. And you know how junior high school can be. Like, kids is vicious. You know, kids can be very, very mm -hmm. vicious. Um, and we're all just trying to, like, figure out right. what to do with all of this emotion and things like that. Um, so yeah, that was just like very, very difficult um, for me at that time. And Arisha helped yeah. you through, yes. even though you weren't initiated. It was the song and the mm -hmm. dance. Do you think that was the beginning of learning how to use Arisha to breathe? Absolutely. Even though you did it naturally, but beginning to develop? Absolutely, because school didn't really give me the, the safety, you know, that I needed. But I also went to a school that was full of priests. So it was like... Yeah. How yeah. so? It was my principal at Agayu, <laughs> the vice principal of the of the uh, of the elementary school had a leg Oh my! There was two priests. No, there was a priest of Oshun that taught in elementary, a priest of Ochosi that was in elementary. This was public school. Mm -hmm. In Bedford Stuyvesant. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in Brooklyn, USA. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There was a priest of Shango that wow. taught in elementary. And then someone who ended up actually being my mentor was a priest of Shango. And okay. he came in okay. as well. Okay. So that did a lot for me because when junior high school was nuts, I would just be in their offices just like 
you know. Okay, so they would really help and protect and insulate yeah. and give thanks. So you yeah. were really, it seems like your path has been kind of charted out. Yeah, they, they got a plan. So, they, so let's talk about that plan. <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah, talk man. about that. You decided to develop this form. Yes. Called Kiray Wellness. Well, breathing with Orisha. Breathing yeah. with Orisha, yeah. and yeah. Kiray Wellness is what to bring us to breathing. Yes, with Orisha. So, Kiray Wellness. Kiray is a term that I came up with, which which means to stuff oneself with Kiray, to fill oneself, because key is like packing, like a pipe. You know, and Baba Chief Bay Ibae is one of my oh, elders, yeah, and he always smoked the pipe. Always. Always smoked the pipe. You know, whenever he gave his good wisdom, he always had a pipe, either in his hand or in his mouth. And I always understood that to get a really good hit in the pipe, you wanted to make sure that that bowl was packed. You know, it had to be packed. You didn't want no light pad. You wanted to make sure that there was tobacco from the bottom Deep of it, it to the top, you know? So when I saw this word, I was like, yes, like, Key Ray, like, yeah, I want to yeah. pack myself with E. Ray with the blessings of life. Right, um, right. And I want to make sure that, like, before I bring Orisha to people, before I bring their movement, before I bring their song, before I bring their dance, that they understand that this is about wellness, that this is about holistic healing, and it has always been, mm -hmm. and that there is no other form of breath work and mm. and holistic mind body wellness that really is older than orisha practice that is older than mm -hmm. west african kikongo mm -hmm. practices mm -hmm. Vodun practices and that right. we have kept them alive in our bodies here so african descendants all around the world we have what we need mm -hmm. to breathe we have what we need to heal it's always been there and yes it has been demonized it has been turned into entertainment, right? Our ashe is called talent, you know? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, and this is a personal journey for me, after coming out of the bembe or the ceremonial space when it was time to get professional, quote unquote, mm. and go to college, the only thing that was really there for somebody like me who had the drum, who had the song, who had the dance for this healing purpose was the entertainment industry. Industry, exactly. Which totally zapped me of my energy. Mm. Zapped me of my energy, also exploited my talents for products that I don't even know, you know, what they're selling, why they're selling it, where those where those funds actually go to. But they're using my ashe that right. calls down God, that heals folks, right, in community to sell whatever products that I'm getting mm -hmm. one check for, but they're getting billions of dollars right. using my black skin, my black ashe, right. my voice, right. my dance, my body, my everything. Right. And so there was something that didn't fit right with me, with being in the entertainment mm -hmm. industry. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. at the height of my career as well, right. I chose to stop. Huh. Huh. I chose to stop. And I said that there has to be a way for me to communicate what movement and song and drum and poetry really mean to me mm. from that ceremonial space there has to be a way for me to communicate that to the greater public that's right without selling my religion you know what i'm saying without selling the initiation without selling a ceremony just like getting people to understand that like these are tools that our ancestors left yes. for us you know and it exists but it's not just talent it's, it's not just a fun, funky dance that can go on a commercial, but that this comes from a healing tradition. And mm. we need to understand that, like, when the kids in the junior high schools are literally responding to trauma, right, in their neighborhoods, and when they start tapping them beats yeah. on the lunch table and they 
literally create a new dance that becomes a world craze, right? Right, that everybody wants to do. That that is literally the way our ancestors survive and thrive. That's right. They need to understand that at the core issue. So, Hiray Wellness, the whole goal is to become the Institute of Trauma Informed African Diaspora Arts. Mm. 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 So that folks understand that <sighs> our movement and our breath and our song belongs to us, whether we're quote unquote good, on, good at it at a professional level or not, whether you're on your dying bed or you have all of your facilities, that you understand that this always belongs to you and it's here for you as medicine first. It's here for you as medicine first. So by bringing people into Breathing with Orisha first, that's just the first. That's just like, hey, this is the tradition. This is one of the traditional ceremonial spaces. But that power also exists in all of those cultural dances that y'all have been creating, young people, for all the generations throughout the diaspora. And all of that comes from the same source. So it's all healing. And that conversation needs to be had together. It needs to come together. And it's born out of breath. And what's interesting is you said it's with us. And you want to really elevate, magnify, expand, heighten, you know, that knowledge base so that people know they have everything they need in them. And it starts with the breath. You know, we know about the East Indian. We know about pranayama. We know about how they understand the science of breath being connected to the heartbeat, being connected to all the different um, organs. And you talked about that a little while ago mm -hmm. with ori inu, ori, you know, mm -hmm. how it's each part of our body, but people have not connected it like that. But you know why you have? I'm going to tell you, because <laughs> you remind me, I'm going to let you answer the questions, but you remind me of those little children, not at this age, that you see in Africa that are born into the tradition that don't have to think about relearning at an adult stage. They learn the basic, the, the, the foundation, and then consciousness begins to speak, right? So a lot of times when we get into the tradition as adults, right, you're so busy learning, you don't, you, the, you're learning the rote. And so that adaptive, that, that consciousness, that divinity, that spirit doesn't always have the ability to speak with liberation and to manifest as easily. And I feel that that you represent that on this side of the water. Okay. I say, and I have to give thanks to my mother and my father That's for that. That's right. And I have to give thanks to my grandmother, my great great grandmother for that, because they all made decisions mm -hmm. to relearn. That's right. They all made decisions to sankofa. That's right. And so I am the result. That's right. Of their sacrifice, mm -hmm. my great great grandmother taught African descendants in the deep south in Georgia how to read English during the Jim Crow era. That's right. So that they could even relearn today so that we can be okay enough today to relearn who Oshun is, mm. who Orisha is, mm -hmm. right? So they had to do that work. They had to do that work to survive and to thrive and to everything and go through everything that they went through. My mom had to be a Christian and my mom had to carry around all the Bibles and she had to find African dance and she had to be brave enough to choose Orisha when she was like, grew up here and best like grew up in Brownsville. Like I was born in Brookdale Hospital where people go to die. Right. You know? And I'm no different from 
the other folks that were also born in Brookdale Hospital other than the choices of my mom. That's right. That's what saved my life. It was the choices of my mother to say, his name is Oludare, because I understand that this is where we come from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is where we come from. So I give thanks to my mom for that. Ashe. So Oludare, how... How, so now we're at Kire Wellness, and mm -hmm. we're breathing with the Orishas, and even in our earlier conversation with the divinities, you're incorporating and going to incorporate dance forms, indigenous dance forms from throughout our African tradition around the world. Um, with all of that, where did voguing come in before we get to breathe? Like, Let's talk I, about I, it. Yeah, like how is, I, I don't, you know, you in the egg closet, mm -hmm. then you telling people you want to get initiated, <laughs> you get initiated, you're in all these ceremonies, yes. You then you're dancing in the entertainment mm -hmm. industry. Where does voguing come in? Absolutely. So voguing comes in for me because although I grew up in African tradition, and thanks to my mother and all of those great decisions, I cannot also avoid the different types of poison that exist within all communities. Mm -hmm. There's abuse in all communities, there's um, segregation in all communities, there's bigotry in all communities. And one of the things that exists in the Orisha community, um, along with the world, is homophobia, mm -hmm. right? And I'm a same gender loving man. Mm -hmm. So in coming of age, right, and coming out of that closet, right, right. Um, I was shunned in many different ways. I'm one of the best drummers in New York, Bata drummers in New York. Mm. Play Bata, Okonkolo, Itotele, Iya, and sing at the same time, and drum and dance if I needed to at the same Which time. Which is not heard of. So, and that's not sitting here trying to toot my own horn, it just is what it is. But with all of that said, mm -hmm. nobody would call me to drum in the community mm -hmm. um, to play the sacred Anya drums because I chose to be truthful mm -hmm. about who I am. Because it's not that there aren't right. other gay drummers. Right, right. They right. just, because they understand the stigma behind it, Which they choose happen. to stay closeted. That's right. And so by me actually claiming my freedom and being liberated in that, that scares yes. the living SHIT out of, out of those closeted men. Right, of course and out of the culture. And so Vogue came to me because when I did choose to come out, and I came out when I was 22, um, which is very late is <laughs> for, for most folks, especially like, what, teenage years? That's when everybody coming to age and beautiful and, right. you know what I'm saying, and free and, and yeah, whatever. I could have been themselves. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. But I love Danya, and I didn't understand how to come out with integrity. Ah, so okay. Yeah, I didn't want a scandal. I didn't, you know, I didn't mm. want anything like that. So I really questioned it for a long time. I said, you know, and I went to my godfather at the time at the foot of Oromila. Um, and I just said, you know, like, this is what I'm feeling. I don't know what to do about these feelings, you know. But I did ask Anya a question privately. And I said, Anya, like, are we good? Yeah. Regardless of what other people say, I was like, Anya, like, you know who I am. Are we good? And Anya said, yeah. <laughs> she said, we're fine. But that's always... Between me and Anya. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, like when that happened, um, that was when I was like, you know, 16, 17. I was like, I really don't know what to do with these feelings. Right. Whatever. But, you know, I chose to just like chill on it. It's like, I don't, my sexuality is my own business anyway. Right. So, right. And that's right. not really my priority right now anyway. I was trying to get into college, this yeah. and that, you know. Right. So, right. yeah. Right. 
So I kept my relationships with men. Just I just didn't just paid in no mind. I was just like, right. <laughs> yes. Until you know, if this makes more sense later in my life, if this is a lifestyle choice that I'm like, okay, like this is something that's unavoidable, then then okay. Right, right, right. Time I was 22, first real boyfriend. Right. I was like, what's up, you know? And I was just kind of like, um. <laughs> It's kind of real. Like, this is really real, you know? Right. And I was just like, well. This is who I am. Made a phone call. And um, I said, this is, you know, who I am. This is the life that I need to lead. And I understood how much I would lose. Mm. Um, but regardless, I was just like, this is what it is. And I don't want no scandals. So I want you to know first. Um, and the words that I received were, we have nothing else to talk about. And then from that point, I received calls from other drummers. Like, we heard. And I only had one conversation with my godfather. One. And I, the next thing I knew, everybody knew. Everybody knew. Um, so much so that some other drummers even tried to do slick stuff like invite me to drums just to say, oh, you can't play. In those years, there was so much anger. You know, so much anger because mm -hmm. it was like, what do I do? This is a part of my gift. This is a part of the way that I heal. Mm. This is a part of the way I heal my community. Um, okay. Well. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so I had to take a step back from the Orisha community yeah. and that spiritual community and just like learn to be good with Orisha by myself. Mm. And, um, and I got a lot more into the dance because that's also a big part of what right. I do. Right. It's not just the drums. That's right. that's, but that's what coming out did for me. Mm. It made me remember that, like drumming, I'm not just the drummer. Uh, I'm here to see the whole picture of it, mm -hmm. and, to, like to embody all of it. That's right. You that's know, right. Um, and breathing with Orisha would not exist mm. if I didn't come out ah. and the drumming community didn't go actually, right. And it gave me a lot of space. And so, coming from that ceremonial room. Voguing just kept calling to me, kept mm. calling to me, because voguing is a battle dance. It is a fighting dance. It's it's a it's a dance of warriors, mm. the dance of warriors. And um, coming from the ceremonial Orisha space, when I came into the voguing space, and I'm looking at the Igbo do because they're creating another circle, right? I'm seeing the drummers, the DJ, yeah, and yeah, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and the DJ's the drummer, yeah. and then right, that's the Anya right. is right that's there. Right. That's the Iwodo creating the Ibodu. The Elegun, the dancers that embody the spirit are, are the Vogers. Are the Vogers. I mean the commentator that's yeah. leading the, the ceremony of the of the ballroom, that's the Aponi. Yeah. And the Orisha ceremony calling the Orisha. Uh, but that's the that's the commentator calling on the spirit of all of the Vogers. Yeah. All of the ancestors. Yeah. So yeah. really and truly, like voguing is an Egun ceremony. It's a, it's a, it really is yes. an Egun battling ceremony, like celebrating the lives of all of these warriors, all of these mm. black trans women, all of these black trans women, all these black gay men, all of these lesbians, all these folks who are literally warriors because you have to be a warrior to be a part of the LGBT plus community. A lot of people don't understand that. You have to be a warrior. You have to be strong. So that whole ceremony is calling on all of these names. 
So much so that in the middle of a ball, they'll be like, invoke the spirit of Yolanda, Ibae. Invoke the spirit of Alora, Ibae. Invoke the spirit of, right? Mm-hmm. And this commentator saying that, and what really gets everybody up in hype is when a vulgar is embodying, embodying that spirit. Mm-hmm. When a vulgar is able to, in their masculine body, embody this divine feminine. That's right. Embody this divine feminine spirit and just let it sit. It's confident. It's present. It oozes so much so that it's interacting with everybody in the room and it's pulling that spirit out of everybody in the room. It's so spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I'm coming from the lens of the Orisha ceremony. So I'm able to see, oh, This is the same thing. I'm like, okay, like this is African. So... Not only is it African, but it's ceremony, it's ritual, and it's sacred, and it's sacred. And so for me, what was important was that understanding that how African spiritual communities can also shun the LGBT community, and it was important for me to be a part part of the LGBT community and be there and understand what's going on there to see my LGBT community as human, that we are human. So many people shun the LGBT community, but I'm like, they're just a part of this God community as everybody else. So if I'm going to speak about breathing with Orisha, if I'm going to be speaking about African diaspora arts and dance and trauma informed, then I have to speak about the trauma informed African diaspora arts of the LGBT community. Because if anybody knows trauma, it's a black trans woman. Mm. That was powerful. And let me tell you why. As a child, you know, I grew up as a dancer, right? Three years old, my mother threw me in dance and I did ballet and this and that. My ballet teacher was a gay man. My mother's hairdresser was a gay man. My mother did fashion shows for Sikosil Anemia. All the designers in 30th Street, Manhattan and 6th Avenue were gay men. I knew gay men, straight women, and straight men. That was my consciousness and reality from three years old. It, my mother embraced them. She was like, oh, we're going to say Mr. Benoit. You know how Mr. Benoit is? You know, that was his name. And Mr. Benoit would still hit me on the She was <laughs> I'm telling my mother. And he would tell my mother. And my mother say, hit her again if she rude to you. And I was like, wait, she's empowering this ballet teacher? So, you know, like that was my world. And so with that, reading... A post you put up, I think it was probably last year or the beginning of this year. Mm. As I read through about the Anya drums and you you being an Anya drummer and and how you couldn't play the drums and how you started hitting your body and you know and and how that just brought forth you you created the space for yourself because you weren't a permitted to commune with others. And as I read that post on social media, I was like, oh my God, three things came up for me. This brother is so courageous because I didn't know your story. I just knew you Vogue and I knew you were a priest. (laughs) I was like, that's a unique mix, (laughs) you know? He's courageous. He's so sincere. And the piece that rocked my world is that he's so human. I said, there is no way that people listening to your story or ever reading that, no matter what biases or 
feelings or insecurities or judgments we have. You can't push through all of that to see the humanity, the love, the divinity in you. And that to me was more important than anything else, no matter the realities and the awareness and the acceptance that I come with as a, as a former dancer and very aware, open mm. mother, but that the world really begin to understand humanity and the spirit of people and not always associate because someone is same gender loving that they're going to abuse your children. That, that, you know, that's the first thing our community always says, and that, that's wrong, yeah. right? And I knew by speaking to you and, and, and sharing your story and all the gifts that you have and how you're trying to heal the world <laughs> from trauma, and we didn't even get to that yet. We're going to get to it as we stand up and dance and sing and breathe. I'm not singing, but I'm going to hum along <laughs> with you because I don't want to crack the window. But, <laughs> but it's like... No matter what trauma people come with, you're helping them tap into the breath to really create that liberation with integrity, with values, with connection to Egun and the Most High God and all of the spirit guides. And for that, Olu, I salute you. I thank you. I bless you and I pray that you achieve everything you so desire because you are such a good soul. Thank you so much for spending your time and being so courageous. Thank you so much. Until next time, keep cultivating the life you seek. Be sure to listen and subscribe to Cultivating with Quiera on all podcast platforms.